Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. I'm Brian Noen for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. I want to welcome in Casey Vallier, radio coordinator and in-game studio host for Colts Radio. That's a very fancy title. Casey, do you introduce yourself like that when you meet oh, somebody everywhere. new? Yeah. I just hand people my business card. Here you go. This is who I am. <laughs> Does it say the whole thing, right? Yeah. Oh, like, the whole thing. Yeah. And I keep asking them if they can add more. You know, anything else that I do, you know, it's all about the more you can do. So every time I have anything additional, I add that to the business card, too. So my business card, it's actually like three cards in one now. I think a hyphen <laughs> is great for a business card, Casey, because you get in – Dash game studio host. I, I think there's something very. Uh, it's kind of like an ascot. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, wow, this guy's got some brains here. He can also add on there that one guy that has an Android on the business card too. Like that's that, that's an important that's an important aspect on there as well. You know, Jimmy, I feel like every time it always goes back to that the Android asterisk that you always bring in. I mean, next to your cell, I feel like it's easy to put in parentheses Android. That just so just so they know ahead of time what they're getting into. Casey, I'm an Android guy also. You know, I'm right there with you. Yeah, there's, yeah. There, there's nothing better. You know, I and, and at this point, I'm so far invested that I right. can't switch. That's it, because you, you get know? those backhanded comments, and it's like you can't go to the iPhone dark side now. You know, right? Not a chance. Yeah, not a chance. Join am, me, Casey. I am Android forever. <laughs> yeah, gotta be at this point. Hey, what do you think about uh, the game against Carolina this weekend, facing the former Colts head coach Frank Reich there? Well, there's definitely a lot of storylines, that's for sure. I mean, it was one of those things that I know a lot of people here, and I'm sure a lot of people on that Carolina staff that left here uh, maybe had this game circled before the year for multiple reasons. You had the the Frank Reich angle, but you also had the uh, Bryce Young versus Anthony Richardson angle. We clearly know that angle is not going to come to fruition this year. But, yeah, there's definitely a lot of storylines. And, you know, we just got out of the locker room about – uh, about a half hour ago, and you know, Frank Reich had an impact. I know, Jeff, definitely on me as a human being. Frank Reich was one of the greatest human beings that I had ever met. And you go into that locker room inside the club, and that's what everybody is talking about: is like, this is a business trip. We want to go out and win, but it's also going to be great to just go see a guy who just off the field meant so much to a lot of these people. So that's kind of where it is. Like, there is that, you know, that competitive thing where you're like, all right, he's our former coach. You want to go out and beat him and all of that. But deep down, you know, there are there is that humanity angle where Frank is a wonderful guy and we wish him nothing but the best. And it's going to be kind of cool to see him again. Casey Vallier, the Colts Radio Network, is our guest. Casey, now that the deadline has passed and as a you know member of the Colts Radio Network, you're able to speak about the team itself and the personnel that are on your roster. Were you surprised about the same, expected it? wanted to see more where would you evaluate how the dust cleared and the Colts roster staying relatively the same to where it was prior to 4 p.m. yesterday you know honestly it's kind of what I anticipated um because I think you're you're kind of in that that window where you don't really know where you are entirely for this season like I don't think this season season is a complete wash so therefore you wouldn't be you know a seller but then you also kind of have to look at the horizon where it's like, all right, I don't know where we are. So it's like you're in that 
that that odd area, whether you're a buyer or a seller. Um, so honestly, I anticipated them staying pat. There were, you know, you hear all kinds of rumors and stuff. And yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense for people to speculate on whether or not you keep two running backs like the Colts have right now. When Jonathan Taylor's kind of come up to speed, you keep Zach Moss. But I think Zach Moss has shown that, you know, he really adds a lot to this offense. I understand, you know, when you look at it from – where are your you know, 20, 2024 free agents? Where do they stack up? And I don't know if you necessarily know have all these answers on whether or not you want these guys to be a part of that long-term plan. So this is kind of what I anticipated was kind of staying pat and you know going with – I mean, you look at this schedule. It's one of those things that schedule is always on paper, and that's never really what happens on Sundays because any week there could be changes. But – this schedule is still very manageable for the Colts, so I don't think it's panic mode that we have to just sell everybody and prepare for next year because I do think there's still some winnable games on the schedule. He's Casey Valier with Colts Radio here on The Fan. I agree with you, Casey, where it's hard to assess where they are and where they will be. What's your best guess as to both of those questions? <laughs> I mean, that that is a question I think we're all trying to answer. Um, after this three-game slide that you've seen, you know, a lot of points being scored, it really gives you a little pause on, you know, we had a lot of high hopes on this defense, and there's been a lot of points scored. I think, you know, over 37 points the last three weeks. So you then you go, well, can you win football games when you're allowing that? But then you look at the guys that are in place, and there's still a, a lot of really good football players on that defense. I think that was coming into the year an area where you thought was the strongest part of this Colts roster. So I think at some point it's going to click. They're going to be able to, you know, work out a way to get to get kind of this points allowed kind of under wraps. And what we've seen out of Shane Steichen in this offense, it almost looks like it doesn't really matter his personnel. He can scheme up things and make this offense kind of run pretty well. I mean, only team to score over 20 points in every single game. And over the last handful of weeks, I mean, they're scoring 20 early. So, you know, I think the offense is showing you enough. I think the defense is going to continue to come around. So, ultimately, I do think this team is going to turn things around. I think these next two weeks are very winnable games. And then you head into the bye, so you can go in with a couple wins, have a little momentum, get some rest. And then you got Tampa Bay lurking right after that, and that's a winnable football game as well. So you look at these next three, and all of a sudden, if you win three in a row, it changes the whole outcome of the season. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Casey Vallier of the Colts Radio Network brought to us by Shelly Materials, the concrete and aggregate experts. Casey, as you look at the Colts roster, you can go offense, defense, or both with this one. Who now post-deadline has the best opportunity to prove themselves or, or make a statement the rest of the way? Oh, boy. Um, I, I think the, you know, probably the obvious answer is 28. I think Jonathan Taylor is a guy that this was around the time, based on where he started the year on PUP, this is right around the time. It has nothing to do with the trade deadline because he was never, a, you know, an option on that trading trading front. But him just kind of continue to gain speed and really work his way up. I think that is the guy on offense that I look at is this is where you're really going to start to see that uptick on his production, his usage. I think Jonathan Taylor, somebody watch. But then a couple other guys. I mean, you look defensively, Julian Blackman and Kenny Moore, both going into contract years, have played very, very well. I think when you look at the issues the secondary has had, it's going to take – 
some guys to kind of step up. So I wouldn't be shocked. I know those are a couple guys and names that were mentioned because they are expiring contracts. You aren't exactly sure what they their role looks like for the future. But I'm expecting those guys to have really big ends of the season. We've seen what their impact has been to this point, but I, I continue to see them kind of growing into that role. What would you say, Casey, about the rookie corners, what you've seen them do well, what you've seen them struggle with? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question because I think that's what we all anticipated happening. We thought it's rookie corners. You're going to kind of trial by air. You're going to just throw them into the fire and you're going to take the wins. You're going to take the losses. And we've definitely seen that losses. But ultimately, when you look at what these rookies have done, it really hasn't been the rookies. I think that when Juju Brintz has been in there, he has shown a lot of real promise that this could be a guy over the next handful of years that you can really base that defense around. And then Jalen Jones, who... He's been thrust in the last couple of games, and really he's done a really good job from having limited experience inside the defense to start the year. He was mainly just looked at as a special team guy. It's kind of how he made the roster. Um, so he, he's been a guy that's really flashed, I think, the last couple of weeks, especially when you lose a Juju Brents, and then we saw what happened to Dallas Flowers a couple of weeks back. So it's going to be a lot of trial by error. Now there's, there's another rookie corner on this team in Amir Speed, who the Colts claimed a couple of weeks ago from New England. We haven't really seen him implemented into the defense. I'm assuming that either this week – or next week, you're going to really start to see a little bit more of him outside of what you've seen out of Tony Brown and Daryl Baker Jr. But it's definitely a young group that is really, you know, they're taking their lumps for sure. But I think what you've seen from just the rookie standpoint, I think you've seen a lot of promise that you can really look at in a positive way going forward. Casey, I'm simulating out a couple weeks with this question, but I thought about it and discussed it a bit yesterday. Grover Stewart is still in the middle of that six games suspension for violating the NFL's performance enhancing substance policy. He's set to be back on December 10th, so still a couple of weeks away. Where can the defensive line either improve or, or I guess who along the trenches has the most to grow in that time? And how will that affect or, or what type of opportunity will be left when Stewart returns for the final three or four games of the season? Yeah, I mean, to answer the, the back end of that question, when Stewart returns, it's back to, you know, what you saw out of Grover Stewart up to this point. I mean, Grover Stewart, he may not get the national attention, but I know that locally here we know how important Grover Stewart is, and I think every defense, every offensive coordinator that is, you know, looking at tape against this Colts front, they understand how important Grover Stewart is. So definitely, when he comes back, you'll you'll see, you know, definitely, especially in the run game, you'll really see his impact felt there. But I think right now, one of the big injuries that you know really got not swept under the rug, but. Grover Stewart gets suspended. Eric Johnson gets a little bit of an elevated role, and then he gets hurt. So you're really, you, you really start to mess with that depth when you start looking at all these guys you're having to step up. I mean, we saw McTelvin Aguim elevated last week, a guy who hasn't played at all really in this Colts defense. So you got Atatamawada Barre, who's going to have to step in, Taven Bryan. So it's it's been a lot of guys that are going to have to really take that next step because – the rushing game has been a big problem over the last couple weeks, and I know that you don't want to make excuses. Grover Stewart is one of the best run guys, especially at that defensive tackle spot in all of the league. So it's a big loss, but there's going to have to be some guys stepping up. Now, we saw Eric Johnson last week did practice towards the end of the week, wasn't active on Sunday. We'll, we had a, just a walkthrough today, so we don't really know as far as the injury report's going to be. It's going to be kind of simulated. So we'll see really where Eric Johnson is tomorrow. But if you can get him back, that definitely helps in that depth. 
but it's definitely going to be an area that's going to be tested. Casey Vallier joining us here from Colts Radio. It's crazy, Casey. You look at this weekend's matchup against Adam Thielen, Panthers wide receiver. He's been really good this season where he's seventh in catches. He's 12th in receiving yards. And it's like, whoa, where is this coming from with the rookie quarterback? And he didn't put up big numbers last year with Kirk Cousins. What do you think about his matchup against Kenny Moore this weekend? It's funny you mention that because, you know, we all live in a fantasy world or fantasy football world. And Adam Thielen was a guy I know in my fantasy leagues who was like 12th, 13th round, Mm. you know, taken. And it was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. He went to to Carolina. He's no longer in Minnesota. What's that going to look like? Is he like their third? You know, he's towards the end of his career. He's probably just going to get a couple catches here and there. And he's looked like a bona fide number one. I mean, he's been a big surprise. I know that, you know, when you talk fantasy-wise, people that have Adam Thielen, they got a lot of, uh, you know, good production out of a late pick for sure. Um, he, he looks like he did a couple years ago in Minnesota. I mean, there were years where you could rely on Adam Thielen to have close to 100 catches, over 1,000 yards, and a handful of touchdowns. And that looks to be the pace that he's on right now. Now, a part of it I'm not exactly – I'm not shocked because of – you get a veteran guy in there who is just comfortable in you know doing what the offense needs him to do, and you have a young quarterback, you find that security blanket, and clearly Adam Thielen has been that. But also, if you look around you know, the rest of their options, right now they are struggling as far as offensive playmakers go. So Adam Thielen has been a bright spot in what has been kind of a lackluster team. And, I mean, you talk about Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore has been so good all year. And I'm sure that is going to be one one item to watch this you know this Sunday is how Kenny can do against easily one of the top offensive weapons for Carolina. And I, I mean honestly, I mean you talk about seventh in the in the league in, in receptions. I mean Adam Thielen looks like he's turned back the clock a little bit. Casey, I know I'd be asking this just for your opinion and not in your title with the Colts Radio Network, but do you think from what you've seen and where this offense is headed? Do you think this is the week where the 50-50 or 60-40 snap count distributions between JT and Zach Moss are gone? And if you do think that, where do you think that number lies? Is he back too close to a workhorse form, or are we still looking at a by-committee approach? You know, That's a really good question, Jimmy, because a part of me has to say – you got to look at where they're ranked right now. You know, you talk about Adam Thielen being seventh in the league in reception. Zach Moss is second in the league in rushing. So Zach Moss has earned his spot inside the framework of this offense for sure. But at the end of the day, Jonathan Taylor is Jonathan Taylor, and I think we have seen glimpses. I think last week we really saw, especially in that first half, Jonathan Taylor looked to be if he wasn't all the way back, he was pretty darn close. So I'm anticipating it, continuing to see it ramping up. But you know, when you put a percentage on it, I think you're still going to see a handful of carries from 21 just because he has been really, really good. I mean, he averaged six yards a carry last week. I mean, he, he is essentially going out there and getting you 50 to 70 rushing yards every single game and even doing that with Jonathan Taylor being back in the offense. So I'm anxious to see what that split looks like. I would anticipate, though, seeing Jonathan Taylor continue to be elevated and getting more and more of that workload. But I don't know necessarily if it means you're going to see Jonathan Taylor getting 25 to 30 carries just because Zach Moss, I think, is deserving of getting a handful. Well, Casey, you do an amazing job. You more than live up to your just red carpet 
you know, <laughs> titles over there. That guy. <laughs> hey, you know, I, I tell people I hand out my business card. If you guys would like to come along and just be my hype men in the background, yeah. too, hey, I'll take it. Oh, we can absolutely do that. We'll wear big <laughs> clocks and everything around our necks, man. It's all good. Oh, we got it. you, Casey. Yeah. Hey, man, thanks for the time, bud. Have a good rest of the day. We'll catch you soon, Casey. Thanks, guys. Always appreciate it. There you go. There he is, Casey Valier, radio coordinator and in-game studio host for Colts Radio. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian Noen for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook. Yeah, so Chris Ballard here. Um, Eddie Garrison uh, had some critical words for him yesterday. Characterized it as a hit piece, <laughs> which I love. Uh, but if we're looking at the tenure and also specifically this year, I think we're all on the same page, right? We, we can't go too hard in on the guy when they're on their backup quarterback. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Just it, as starters. It, these are not assessments based on solely what's happened this year. That's fair. Because if you look around the roster, listen, we talk about this all the time is look at the running back position and there's a reason why they don't get huge money and the impact is only so much and right, right. the shelf life and all that. Jonathan Taylor has been a home run second round selection, but he's a running back. You know, they just haven't been able to figure out the quarterback position. And that's been the biggest deal there. And I think, I'm not telling you this guy walks on GM water, but I am telling you because he hasn't gotten the quarterback position figured out, and it's pending right now with Anthony Richardson, but up until this point, he hasn't figured it out post-luck, right? That has such a an impact on how you perceive the rest of, of the talent evaluations where it's kind of hard to play the if game. I don't know exactly how to say it the right way. If he hit on a quarterback or if you had a legitimate quarterback in there, you're viewing the rest of the roster much differently. And I don't know. It's not to say, Hey, give him grace because he hasn't figured out the QB position. I'm just saying, don't, Take that criticism that's valid. Sure. He hasn't been able to figure out the QB position and then turn it into he hasn't been able to figure out the roster. You know what I mean? Because sure. that's not accurate. There is a level at times. And again, we, we've had Chris in studio before, not on this show, but we've had him on studio in the past. And by all counts, very nice guy. Like I'm not attacking him, the person. The only attack I'll make there, which Jake referenced earlier, and I agree with him on that. There's times where when he's handling the media and he does it very eloquently, it comes off as he has all the answers and he's the smartest mm-hmm. guy in the room. Mm-hmm. It felt that way about cornerback. It's felt that way about wide receiver at times. It almost certainly feels that way about what they're doing at edge rush and along the trenches of that defense. For me, it goes back to there was a time, and, and I'm not going to relive everything for Colts fans because we've done this in the past, but there was a grace period that was given, right or not, to Chris Ballard post-Andrew Luck. And mm-hmm. the question that needs to be had, and for some Colts fans, it passed long ago, when is that no longer a valid excuse? For me, it was last year. And I think that was probably even too much. Because you mentioned trying to get the quarterback position right, Brian. 
in some markets, in some organizations, with the what are they batting now standpoint of what they've done at quarterback, mm-hmm. take Anthony Richardson off the board, they've yet to hit on a real solution. Jacoby Brissett, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, like like mm. they have tried year after year to do the Band-Aid thing while also trying to build around the roster and keep them into a contention window during that process. Then the wheels fully fall off with Matt Ryan a year ago, and now it's clear, okay, they're in a rebuild whether they want to admit it or not. Mm-hmm. Generally, when you draft a quarterback, there is a built-in cushion that's there. And I said this before the season started, acknowledging, sure, that cushion is there, but should it really be the traditional two- to three-year window that Shane Steichen will likely be allowed for Chris Ballard when he's been here this long and is yet to really have true substance to show for it? And if the answer is yes, then you have to dive deeper at what he's done over these seven years and look at key skill positions and say to yourself, Has he addressed it well? Has he found a real answer in the pass rushing game outside of DeForest Buckner? Has he found a true answer at corner? What is happening in that wide receiver room? They have a tight end by committee with five dudes who might not make like the third string depth chart of some teams in the league. Like there are mysteries all along this roster. And the more you look around frustrated, the more you have to look internally and say, is it me? Well, I think this. I think that. The quarterback position is a perception changer. Agreed. It's a, it's it a fixes everything. Shifter. It fixes everything. Yes. Because yes. that's the deal is they don't have it figured out right now. At least Anthony Richardson is hurt for the year, right. so we don't know. Correct. Right. They, they, they think right. they do. Like, they, if you were to ask them, yeah. if you were to ask them, yes, they hope, yeah. but I think but we they don't also know. think that they do. But we yes, don't know. you're right. The general public, we have no idea. We're not sure yet. It's pending. We can't say he's a bona fide stud after four games. We can't say he's a bona fide dud after four games. It's pending. Right. It's rendering. It's buffering. Sure. That's what's happening with Anthony Richardson. Yes. But because... They don't have that position solidified. You're looking at it from your... Most people are looking at it from your point of view. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying there are two very different ways to look at Chris Ballard, the GM of the Colts. So they don't have the QB position figured out. So it's like, well, what are you doing at edge rusher? What what are you doing at corner? What are you doing here? What are you doing there? Right? That's the way it changed. Now, all of a sudden, if Anthony Richardson is the real deal or they had the real deal, right? He made a move and... They've got their guy, and he's legitimate top half quarterback. Now, all of a sudden, it changes what you're focused on, and you turn it into, man, where did he find this diamond in the rough, Zaire Franklin in the seventh round, right? It turns into that. You've got Shaq Leonard. EJ Speed is a fifth rounder. You're finding these guys that are starters, right? But because they don't have the quarterback, it turns into, what about this? Why haven't you addressed that? What's the deal with this? And you're just glossing over the wins that are there, but it's the most glaring loss affects how you look at the rest of the uh, rest of the roster there without having that franchise quarterback yet. Yeah, you're, you're correct on that. A lot of teams give passes to other areas as long as they have the most important position figured out. The the cautionary tale here, though, for the Colts and why I think it's a very pertinent discussion that even if Anthony Richardson was upright right now should still be happening. I suppose there's a couple areas of where it's a catch-22 because as Eddie mentioned, well, no, Brian, I'll, I'll, I will go with your analysis of Anthony Richardson here. Eddie, you said what, 22 turnovers? They have either turned the ball over on downs, missed a field goal, or had a field goal blocked 
fumble interception 22, 23 times. Brian, for the sake of the discussion, do mm-hmm. you think the number, the way that Minshew has struggled, he's turned it over nine times at least in the last three games. I could have missed one or two from nine last is week. Correct. It's all nine is right. Do you think that number is any higher or lower if Anthony Richardson is the starting quarterback right now? Well, I think just because he's a rookie. Right, I know, but I just yeah. for the, just for the sake of it, I'm not I'm not trapping you. I'm I'm genuinely curious because Sounds it like matters a bear to trap. the point. I promise I, I, it's not. I swear there are landmines all around me. I'm being very I delicate. I promise I'm, it's I'm, not. I'm checking the sand <laughs> with my big toe right now. No, um, I think it would be comparable. Okay, maybe slightly more. Okay. Because he's a rookie, but comparable. Because if that number is the same, or even if it's a little bit more, you are still worried. If he looks good, if he looks good, it's like, okay, we have that. I see the promise there. If that's your view as a Colts personnel member or as a Colts fan, if that's your view, then it's also natural to look around the rest of the roster and say, well, hey, we're giving up like 30 points a game in our last four or five. What's going on with this defense? Why are they 26th or worse in almost every passing category around the league? What is the problem there? Is it Gus Bradley? Is it personnel? Is it injuries? Is it a combination Mm -hmm. of all three? And why it's a cautionary tale for me is maybe this is an overstated opinion. I don't know. But in the NFL, you get a handful of opportunities to in theory be in the conversation to chase Lombardi Trophy. And if you have the young, talented quarterback, and you know you have it, I don't know if the Colts do, but you know you have it, there is a window that closes that doesn't open again, which is the window to contend on a rookie quarterback's contract. It gets harder once you have to give out that big payday. You can still do it. Look at the Bills. Look at the Chiefs. Look at the Bengals. It is still possible, but the window and margin for error at every other position becomes that much tighter. And the reason I feel like in year seven, it is pertinent to have this conversation is if you're wrong about Ballard, but you're right about Richardson, you're wasting a mini window of team building, and it will be that much harder for whoever his successor is. Well, that's the funny thing, man, is we bring up your Chiefs, you know? Sure. Is Think about Brett Veach. If they don't have Mahomes, you're looking at the holes in their roster sure. similarly to how Colts fans view the Colts roster. Correct. And I, that's can, the, I can put on the consistency cap here because I'm I'm not happy. Like, the gloss has faded a little bit. I'm I'm thrilled because I'm not a Colts fan, but I am a Chiefs fan. I'm thrilled that Brett Veach found Mahomes. By all accounts, he was one of the key cogs in finding him, but the wide receiver room is scary, and they they didn't do anything at the deadline. Like They they have have a bunch of dudes. Rasheed Rice looks nice. He's a rookie. He looks okay until he dropped a wide open pass against the Broncos. (laughs) Correct. Hair out, not just because there was money on the line. Also, as a fan, hair was out for certain. Sky Moore drops an open touchdown pass in that game. Like Uh, They have a bunch of dudes. So I I can sit here, at least in terms of my fanhood and the team I cover, I'll still be consistent about it because you're right. Beat gets a pass because of Mahomes, but... It shouldn't make him immune to criticism at other areas that are clearly lacking on that right. roster. The same is true with Ballard. Well, that's the thing. Yes, Jawan Taylor. That is not worked no, out no. for the Chiefs, Mm-mm. but he's got Mahomes. Yes, so it's all good. Correct. Yes, <laughs> like he's got he's got the magic elixir right there, and that's the opposite. And he as has two rings now. on the fingers to show for it. That's as well. right. That's the opposite of what the Colts have right now. Sure. You know, Gardner Minshew, by the way. As a backup guy, you start looking around the league at backup quarterbacks. 
the Colts are in a better position than a lot of teams. Yes. Look at P.J. Walker with the Browns. He's got one touchdown, five picks. How's that working out without Deshaun Watson upright? And I'll tip the cap to Ballard for that because a year ago and two years prior to that, that wasn't the case. Quarterback depth for them was not a thing because they felt like they had the Band-Aid with their veteran QB. This year, not only did they take the rookie quarterback, they went out and got a veteran that was strictly to be their backup. They addressed that. I, I tip the cap for that. I do. Yeah, I just think that maybe if you went position by position, player by player, and said, okay, uh, Josh Downs, good rookie receiver, right? Yes. Let's look at other slot receivers. Let's look at other rookies. Like That's a pretty good draft pick. You could do that with a lot of Colts players and say, hey, uh, Zaire Franklin, at the seventh round, at that stage, and the what they've gotten out of that guy in terms of production, that's a win. No doubt. EJ but Speed, a fifth-round pick. Yes, yeah. there are wins. I, I, uh, Here's the problem that I personally have. Okay. Quiddy Pay, okay. a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyquan Lewis, a second-round pick. Dio Adengbo, a second-round pick. Yeah. Samson Ebicom, a signing that you made in the free agency. And then you have Grover Stewart DeForest Buckner. You're so reliant up front on your 2D tackles to generate pressure to help your edge guys. It should be the other way around. He hasn't been able to hit on key positions that matter the most. He didn't take Bernard Ryman until he absolutely needed to when they tried to roll out. I can't even remember who the guy's name was from two seasons ago. That was utterly atrocious. And then Pay hasn't developed into a pass rusher. Nobody has been able to sign besides, I guess you could say, uh, who was it last year that's now in Chicago? Uh, Again, Ngakwe, that's the only true pass rush they've had in the Ballard regime. Like I can't name of another guy who the Colts have been able to rely on to get to the quarterback, and there's nobody on defense in that secondary that is there in man-to-man coverage all the time other than Kenny Moore. It being first well, and second round picks is the more damning part of that right. to me because it's great that he's made up for it hitting on five and sevens, but I'm with Brian. Josh Downs, I think he's going to be a great selection. Alec Pierce was not drafted to be a third option in a Bingo. bad offense. Like it, 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 There's too many ebbs and flows to a point that what does it take to be a general manager in this league? Is 50% or 45%, depending on where you're going, solid? Or should you be hitting on the higher picks just as often as you are taking swings and finding diamonds in the rough in the fifth and sixth round? Well, I hear you. Um, and Eddie, the point that you made about you know defensive tackles versus defensive ends, basically. I hear you. There's a reason why edge rushers are valued more. They're more valuable. They make a bigger impact. That's why it's quarterback, edge rusher, corner, wide receiver, you know, like left tackle. We get all of sure. that. But I would I point to the Lions. Like, hear me on this. The Lions got a bunch of grief for their top draft picks, and they showed it on Monday night against the Raiders, and they all were balling out. <laughs> like, they're like, you went and got a running back in the first round. You got a tight end in the second round. You got a middle linebacker, another first round pick, and you got like a slot slash safety. Uh, those are your top four picks in the first and second rounds. And most people are like, what are you doing? You didn't take a premium position at all. All those guys are making impacts. Uh, and Jameer Gibbs went crazy against the Raiders. Sam Laporta, that's a win. They they got rid of TJ Hawkinson. They didn't pay him a huge amount of money. They went and got a, a rookie tight end that's producing. So the point is, I'm not disagreeing with you completely, Eddie, where the Colts have D-tackles instead of D-ends. And that's not ideal. That's not what you would want. But 
there are different ways to win. And while I would like to see the Colts' edge rushers be a lot better, it's a good thing to have good D tackles. And you can win doing things differently instead of, hey, we're going to get the, uh, I don't know, the sixth best defensive end, or we could get the second best defensive tackle. That's something that the Patriots have done pretty well on over the years is finding value somehow, some way. And that might mean not targeting a quote unquote premium position. It's getting better value at a non-premium position. It can work like that also. But comparatively speaking to like your Patriots there, Bill Belichick is known for his different defensive schemes and exotic looks and confusing looks. When I look at the Colts, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get zone coverage, and you know you're not going to get any blitzes. So to me, that's something that you don't have to worry about. And if you're not doing something different defensively in schematics, to me that speaks more largely of what you have to work with than what sometimes is the defensive coordinator. He's like, look, I'm dealt the card or with the cards that I am, and if I don't feel like I can generate pressure with the guys that I have plus blitzing, then I'm just going to keep playing zone coverage and make teams just ch- uh, work their way down the field slowly and methodically versus trying to risk it and lose in the way that they did against the Raiders, or not the Raiders, but the Saints where Rashid he just cooks Tony Brown for oh, the seventh man. time in the game. Whew. Yeah. Are we taking the over on Bryce Young now that you bring this up? (laughs) (laughs) We can't give away Friday's show just yet, but but we'll see. (laughs) And by the way, the two left tackles I couldn't think of, Sam Tevy and Matt Pryor. So, yeah. Hey, man, you're never going to, you know, bat a thousand when you're putting together a roster. And if he's wrong on Richardson, it won't matter. It's a moot point anyway. Like whether the Colts Colts are in agreement on Ballard being on a hot seat or having a three-year cushion, if they're wrong on Richardson, it's it's inexplicable and malpractice to retain him at that point because his selection. Well, it's a wrap at that point. There's no doubt. But that's the ultimate trump card is – you got to figure out the quarterback position. Sure. We all know that. <laughs> but I just, I wouldn't get into the business of there are no wins, you know, roster wise, roster construction wise. Sure. There are no wins because there's been the ultimate loss, which is not figuring out the QB post loss. Let me phrase it differently then. There's not enough wins in the first two rounds. That is enough to satisfy me. There are some across the roster, but there's not enough with rounds one and two for me to feel confident in what it would take to team build around a potential franchise quarterback if he is that in Anthony Richardson. I mean, hey, that's how you feel. That's how you feel. I look at JT. I look at Shaq. You know, uh, you're going to miss on first and second rounders. That's going to happen. And if you find value later in the draft, like what does it matter that the Niners missed on their first round pick when they hit on Brock Purdy in the seventh round? You know what I mean? We Like we could play the first, second round game all day. It's just, are you finding value somewhere? And if you're finding enough later in the draft, well, I look at that as a wash. Some people will look at that and be like, what the hell? You're messing up these premium picks. I'm like, I don't even care if you find enough value elsewhere. That's the question though, is... Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed enough to offset what Eddie's brought up about edge rush, what I've brought up about wide receiver, and I don't think it is. I think it's good hits, but it's not enough to me. If I was the Colts fan, and Eddie is the Colts fan in the room, (laughs) if it's not enough to satisfy that, then it's it's like at at some point, where is the wide receiver one? Where is the tight end one? Where is a key defensive edge rusher that can take a little bit of pressure off DeForest Buckner? Where is somebody that can force a turnover? 
Zaire Franklin and DJ Speed, they make tackles in the open field. Shaq Leonard used to Shaq be Shaq Leonard used to be Peanut Tillman yeah. back there. Used yeah. to be, but yeah. obviously he's either not there or he's not that player anymore. And he's seen snaps yeah. go, I mean, maybe not as and much lately. And being so reliant on your yeah. your off-ball linebacker to be the guy who's generating turnovers just isn't the scheme of which that you can use to win. There's real frustration, whether or not we're right or wrong on that. There's real frustration in the fan base, and the Colts as an organization might have lost the plot on that. I don't know. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian Noen for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook. Here on The Fan, I want to welcome in Luke Easterling. Covers the NFL for Athlon Sports. You know, Luke, do you have anything, uh, any crazy... Either Halloween or NFL trade deadline traditions over there, huh? Uh, let's see, Halloween traditions. I don't know. We we love Halloween in my house, so we I mean we go all out. We have decorations and Christmas Halloween lights instead of Christmas lights for a while, and uh, yeah, yeah we, we we get pretty into it around here. But uh, trade deadline, uh, uh, stay alive, stay sane is usually my uh, <laughs> my attempted tradition for the for the trade deadline. I don't know if I ever succeed in that. Uh, if I have them, I'm like my eighth life at this point. But uh, but no, it's, it's fun. It's entertaining. Um, and at the end of the day, I mean, we get paid to talk about this and write about this, right? So it's it's uh, it's, not, it's not a not a terrible gig. You know, we'll get to the the football stuff, but I'm strangely fascinated. I need uh, two answers here, Luke. The color of the lights that you go with around the house and okay. the candy that you were giving out. If you're all in on Halloween. Okay, so lights are, are all over the place. We've got we've got green, orange, purple, alternating all around. Like we, we use the same like nails and setup that we do for Christmas. We just hang Halloween lights instead. Uh, so they're all the different Halloween colors all the way around the house. So we've got an inflatable T Rex out there. We've got some inflatable pumpkins. Uh, it's pretty fun. Pretty nice. That's um, awesome. Yeah. And then candy candy, you gotta be you gotta be the house that gives out like full handfuls and not like here pick one. Uh, and you got to go with you got to go with with full size candy bars. You got to you got to let everybody know on your street, on the house that the kids are going to go home and be like, man, those those people are awesome. <laughs> and what did you go with? Like Snickers, Three Musketeers. What was it this year? Variety. Yeah, I mean, we, we obviously the the bags that you get the smaller ones they come in like themes, right? You got the uh, it's like those memes where you have all the different tables and which one do you want to sit at with all the different like characters from a show or whatever. That's what they do with the candy bags, right? You got the you got the one table where you got three musketeers and stickers. It's it's tough to find the ones with the Milky Way Midnight's. If you like dark chocolate and you find one with the Milky Way Midnight's, you end up just picking all those out of there because they're hard to find. Um, but we, yeah, we went all over the place with that. You gotta, you gotta have that. You gotta have like a, a sweet bag where you've got like Smarties and like sweet tarts and, and dots if people still eat those. Um, but, uh, no, I'm honestly just grateful that the kids around here, when we actually go out trick or treating, that they don't come in and just like three kids steal all the stuff out of the bowl that we actually had some left last night, which is kind of nice. <laughs> That's good, man. Uh, if we uh, shift to the trade deadline, what would you say was the best trade before the deadline, not necessarily yesterday, and the worst deal made. I think I think the best deal at the end of the day was probably San Francisco getting Chase Young, just because I think it's it's the best fit of, and I'm mostly from the 49ers side of things, is because obviously Washington in a position where if you're not going to pay him, if you're not going to pay Montez Sweat, which I thought the Montez Sweat deal was way better for Washington, 
uh, getting a, getting a two for him, and it didn't make as much sense for the Bears, in my opinion. Um, but for the from the 49ers' perspective, the Chase Young trade, it, you know, it, it addresses your biggest need, which is that they need somebody across from Nick Bosa, somebody who's going to threaten the edge and not allow teams to just slide protections to, to Bosa's side and kind of neutralize him because the rest of that defensive front just isn't getting it done. Um, and so getting getting a guy who obviously is talented enough to have been the number two pick in recent years uh, hasn't quite been the same guy since the knee injury, but but you know that that player is in there. Um, it gives you an opportunity, obviously, to re-sign him after the season, and you only gave up a three for him. Um, the last time, the last thing the 49ers spent a, a third-round pick on was a kicker, so uh, getting Chase Young for one instead is a, a much better use of, uh, of those resources. Luke Easterling takes some time with us here on Query and Company. Luke, we kind of mentioned this last segment, and it goes back to both the Montez Sweat and Chase Young deals that happened yesterday. The Colts over the last couple of years especially have struggled to find consistent high-level play from their edge rushers, most notably Quiddy Pay, who at times has looked a little better this year, but it, he's had injuries in the past, and he struggled at times too, where that bar might be a little bit lower. For where the Colts are, if they would have been the team – to make a move for Montez Sweat or a team for Chase Young, or a trade for Chase Young, rather, would that have made sense for you with, with what they're trying to build now? Or do you feel that where they are currently on a trajectory standpoint, they're better off to still try to find that talent in the draft and free agency? Yeah, I, I think for where they are as a team right now, especially, and, and again, I mentioned that I didn't like that Montez Sweat trade for the Bears just because it's it's kind of similar. Like, they're in a spot where... I don't understand trading what right now would be the 35th overall pick in the draft. And it, for a guy where, where you're, you're obviously, I mean, I think Chicago is going to be rebuilding again in the off season. I feel like, mm. you know, even, even when Justin Fields gets back to full strength, I don't know that they're going to be sold on him and he's only got another year or two on his, on his rookie deal so that, you know, he's going to need an extension before you maybe even know if you want him to be your guy, that they reset and clean house again, at least with the coaching staff or what, there's so many question marks going into this that it felt weird for a team like them. And they kind of did this last year. I'm not comparing Montez Sweat to Chase Claypool by any means, but it felt like a strange trade for the Bears to basically give up a first-round pick, 32 overall, what ended up being 32 overall to Pittsburgh for a guy who they end up, uh, you know, just he didn't make a difference at all. And then he, he gets left for pennies to, to Miami. So it, it was just a weird deal. So to bring it back to Indy, I feel like they're in a similar spot to Chicago, where it's like they have some pieces, they have some young talent in place, but clearly that's like step one of, of a rebuild that's going to take a little bit. And so to for a team like San Francisco to go out and do it, obviously they're a contender. They need a few things, and they can you know afford to extend that guy. And they're 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 in that Super Bowl window. Indy's trying to get there. They're a few steps behind that that part in the, in the rebuild. So making a deal like that wouldn't make as much sense to me. I, I think really what it comes down to for Chris Ballard and his group is self-scouting how you, how you evaluate those talents at that position. With a guy like Quiddy Pay is a great example. Quiddy Pay was a fantastic athlete coming out of college, but wasn't quite the football player yet. And there's a lot of projection involved. There's a lot of coaching that needs to happen. And when you have a guy who's a great, who has great athletic traits, but hasn't put it together technique-wise – you never know if that's going to happen at the next level. There's a lot of different variables that impact that. So, you know, for them, I feel like it, to keep swinging in the draft is probably the best, the best way to do it now. And also you're not giving up draft resources for a veteran guy that you're going to have to spend big money to re-sign because they have a lot of other needs. You're going to have to rebuild that defensive backfield. You're going to have to add playmakers uh, for your young quarterback. 
There's a lot of other things they need to do. Spending a, a day two pick on a, on a veteran defensive end, that would have felt like, a, again, similar to what the Bears did, just kind of a strange move. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Luke Easterling with us from Athlon Sports. How about any big names around the league? Maybe Devontae Adams that you thought could have been moved, should have been moved, wasn't moved. Anybody else on the list, assuming that Devontae might be there for you? Yeah, I mean, Devontae's the easy one. And honestly, Josh Jacobs could be thrown in there as well. And, and it's it's kind of interesting to see the fact that the, the Raiders just did nothing at the deadline. And it's I mean, I don't have any inside knowledge of this, but like just looking at the breadcrumbs, it, it felt like a situation where maybe Mark Davis looked down and was like, wait, really? We're not doing anything? We, we see the, the on-field product on national television getting embarrassed and we're not going to at least try to, you know, maybe reset here and, and ma- maximize the value in some of these guys when we're clearly going nowhere. And once you see that happening, maybe, it's, maybe he felt it was time to clean house. I don't know if that's the case, but that's sure what it looked like to me is that, oh, we're not going to do anything at the deadline. No, maybe you guys aren't, aren't the ones to, to, to oversee the next phase then. But the, the one guy that stands out to me outside of that was Derrick Henry. Yeah. You know, I, the, the Titans not being willing to let him walk when you've got – you just invested a, a pretty early pick in a guy in Ty J. Spears who's shown a, a lot in, in very limited work as the backup. And you're obviously a team who, again, similar to Indy in that maybe we have our – you know, Will Levis has one game to look at. I think Indy's a lot more sure right now at this point of, of Anthony Richardson, even at the injury, than, than Will Levis in, in Tennessee. But Tennessee is a team that clearly needs to overhaul their roster, clearly needs to rebuild and go in with as many assets as possible. And, and an aging, expensive running back in a contract year, why they wouldn't have, have let him go for a mid-round pick or maybe even something later just to get something, I, I, that one didn't make a, lo- a whole lot of sense to me at all. Luke Easterling of Athlon Sports, nice enough to take some time with us here on Query and Company. Luke, our producer, Eddie Garrison, does a great job every time he's behind the board, which is every day because he's our lead producer. And he brought up to me yesterday when looking at the AFC playoff picture, I don't know if this is a bold take, but it is a take that he has on his plate right now. And he thinks the Cincinnati Bengals, by the time the season ends, not necessarily the playoff picture, by the time the playoff standings are set, the Bengals will be viewed by many as the best team in the AFC. Mm. Do you view them as that right now? And if you don't, do you see what he is looking at in terms of, I, I see the picture there, what they just did to San Francisco, how good Burrow looked now that it appears he's 100% healthy again. Uh, they're a force to be reckoned with once more. Yeah, I mean, first of all, shout out to the producers, right? If you've done any, like, if you work five minutes in radio at any point, you know the uh, the unsung heroes that keep everything rolling are, are absolutely the guys behind the board. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I see what he sees. I, I don't know if I'd put them in that category right now, but that's just because you kind of have to beat the best to, to, to be the best. And I think that since he's been there for a few years now, and I feel like they they might have the most complete team they've had this year now that they're finally fully healthy because it wasn't just Burrow. I mean, you know, T. Higgins has been banged up a little bit. He's, the, he's not the only one that's been injured. But really it just comes down to a team that that has elite players at, at multiple positions and multiple premium positions. And honestly, I think the perhaps the unsung hero of that roster right now is the offensive line is, is really playing pretty well. I, I mean, they, they, they have taken a lot, of, a lot of grief in recent years for kind of being the weak link on that team. Um, that defense is, is, again, it's one of the best schemes. Um, it, it's got guys that understand how to execute the scheme and, and maybe make a unit that's better than the sum of its parts. Um, but when you have an elite franchise quarterback, you've got superstar you know, player like Jamar Chase, you've got a guy in Joe Mixon in the backfield who can do everything on all three downs. 
If you can win the trenches, you can get after the quarterback, you can do – I mean, it's all cliche, fundamental stuff, but they're doing it all at such a high level. And then when you have a guy like Burrow at the top playing quarterback at the level he is now that he's back to full strength, if they end up the one seed, if they end up the best team in the AFC like Eddie's talking about, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think we should bookend it with a Halloween talk here, Luke. Your uh, top three candy bar power rankings – I would like to know off the top of your head what, what your list looks like there. I mean, I, I'm a Reese's guy. I know that's probably cliche as well, but I, I will eat Reese's until I, I fall asleep. Like, I just I, – that they're just phenomenal. In, in every, in every like, denomination whatsoever, big ones, little ones, Reese's pieces, I mean, whatever, whatever they come in, if it's Reese's, I'm going to eat it. Have you ever um, said Reese's or have you always said it correctly? I guess we had that discussion earlier. I, I don't know if it's just a Florida thing or I was I was taught the right way, but it, it's a Reese's. <laughs> I don't. Uh, it's just, yeah, I don't, yeah, you don't, got it right. We don't we don't we don't talk about LSU basketball and talk about uh, Angel Reese's great performance. The other night. <laughs> like, I don't understand. That. You know, yeah, uh, I like. I like. Uh, let's see. I, I like. Uh, I like a regular Hershey bar. Hershey milk chocolate bar. I feel like is very underrated. Wow. It's good. It's smooth. I sometimes like a Snickers. Sometimes things complicate things. You got uh, you got nougat. You got caramel. You got peanuts in there, and it, it gets a little complicated. I think Twix is underrated. I put Twix in my top three. Big fan of the cookie. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could do a top three with just different Reese's products. So. <laughs> Fair enough, man. Well, hey, Luke, good stuff, man, covering uh, Halloween candy in the NFL. You crushed it today, man. We appreciate your time. My pleasure, and I'm going to go crush some more Reese's as soon as we're done with it. (laughs) It sounds like it, man. We appreciate that. There he is. Luke Easterling covers the NFL for Athlon Sports.